Okay, good evening everybody and welcome to the All Portable Discussion Zone. It's a bi-weekly live stream all about amateur radio portable ops. My name is Charlie and my call sign is November Juliet 7 Victor. And our two co-hosts uh, are a little bit, run a little bit late. In fact, there's the first one, Dan is hopping in here. So we'll have Dan KC7MSU with us. And Brian, I think, had a, a little delay as well. Uh, W7JAT, he should pop in here in another minute or two. And uh, so our guest this evening, I'm pleased to introduce to you, is Chris K7TAB. And uh, welcome him. And of course, as always, we have the regular characters in the chat room, although it seems a little sparse this evening in the chat room. Hopefully it picks up. Um, we are happy that you, you in the chat room have joined us as well, and then those of you who will be watching later. And so first of all, let's get caught up on what's been going on. We usually do a kind of a round robin and take things around the room and, and uh, see what everybody's been up to. So uh, Christian Claiborne is in the house, though, in the chat, so we, pre we welcome him. Uh, so let's see. Uh, let's go ahead and start with uh, Chris. We usually start with, with go to our guests last, but let's do it. Let's do it different. So, Chris, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Uh, Chris K Seven TAB. Uh, I have not been doing a whole lot since I I did do a little thing on Humboldt Mountain, my little mountain goat hill. Right. And then since then, uh, I think I've hit one mini more madness. So one or two other summits since then, and. And a little bit of satellite work this week, so that was good. Picked up a couple of new grids. And cool. That's always fun. Cool. Yeah, we'll get into a little bit know, know a little bit more about all that too coming up here in just a minute. Uh, so uh, welcome Liberty Cave uh, for joining us as well. So for me, I spent the last uh, week or so, or about five days, up in Wyoming in my hometown, uh, up doing some visiting with family, a family reunion, that type of stuff. A lot of traveling. We we got to see some people in in uh, Salt Lake City as well. And uh, then uh, I did get to do one peak up there, and I actually have that premiering tomorrow evening. So if you guys are interested in, in seeing how that went, you can go ahead and tune in tomorrow evening for the premiere. Uh, so but with that, you know, that's pretty much all I've been doing. That's, uh, that's the one and only thing I've done over the last little bit. We've had uh, a lot of vacation and time off. So uh, welcome, Chuck, in the chat room as well. appreciate you being here. All right, Dan, go ahead and take it away. Well, hello, everybody. Um, let's see been a relatively busy week, week here, so been doing a lot of home repair and stuff, so uh, painting and things like that. Got to get out and uh, meet with some some of the Arizona soda folks yesterday, so that was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that, and uh, hopefully we'll get out on a peak again soon. Cool. All right, good. Hey, hey, hello, Ellen. Thanks for joining us as well. AB, what is it, AB8AS, uh, welcome as well. All right, well, let's get going into this. Like I said, Brian will be joining us in just a little bit. He's uh, He was en route to his house. But uh, we have with us our guest this evening, Chris, K7TAB. And, of course, uh, if you don't know, just full disclosure, uh, Chris is a, a good friend of, of everybody, of all of us, myself and Dan and Brian. Uh, we definitely will claim him as a guest, a guest, even though nobody else will. So, <laughs> so anyway... Uh, uh, we have him on for a couple of reasons. One, he uh, just recently received uh, or reached mountain goat status. But uh, what's interesting about Chris is, is he does uh, mountain goat uh, or summits on the air his own way. And by and we'll have a, there's a few things that he does or which are not quite uh, uh, the standard. 
but one of them that's interesting uh, is that he does satellite operations. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how to get started with doing satellites on uh, summits, which may be the same as uh, doing it from your house and maybe a little different. I don't know what the catches are and what you know what uh, may be different or not, but we'll... Uh, We'll start into that, but, but why don't we give uh, Chris an opportunity to, he already introduced himself, but to kind of talk a little bit about his journey to Mountain Goat, where he started, and maybe who his mentor was and stuff like that. So go ahead, Chris. What, uh, uh, what, how'd you get started in, in, uh, in soda to begin with? Well, uh, like most of us, uh, I was out walking around the hills already, and uh, I got my tech license, and I, I actually walked up two or three hills with my radio. I had no idea that soda existed. Didn't talk to anybody on those hills. And then uh, somebody did a presentation at a club meeting. And I'm not sure. I don't remember if it was Charlie or Brian. But uh, uh, one of Brian. you. Yeah, I think it was Brian. But you uh, did a presentation. And uh, I went up on a hill a couple weeks later and a couple of weeks after that, I had to take a test for general because I was getting wiped out on hills with just two meters. Oh, yeah. In, in what way? Do, what do you mean? Oh, by the way, Madison County Sound Labs, uh, welcome. And also Richie's Radio Room, welcome in the chat room. What do you mean by uh, getting? Uh, I did a couple of hills, Piestua even. Uh -huh. And I got two contacts on two meters and that was it. Oh, so you're saying you didn't weren't able to get a lot of I was, contacts? I wasn't able to qualify the hills, so oh. and a couple others I struggled, and it was only like four contacts. So, oh, okay. So, so I started studying, got my general just pretty like quick that, after huh? that. Yeah, real quick after that, and huh. then it's it's been a blast ever since. Well, what's your background, Chris? What do you what do you do for a living then? Uh, I'm a software engineer. So oh, you I are. Just, yeah. Okay, so so technical stuff kind of comes a little easier to you then, huh? Oh yeah. 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 It, it, some of it, <laughs> some of it. Okay. I'm not sure that translates to antennas and propagation, Right. but, but yeah, technical stuff is not usually too big a problem. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> so tell us your philosophy about summits on the air. How, how, uh, how do you do it uh, aside well, from the satellite? Well, you go up a hill and get four contacts and then come back. Yeah. And that's the way you do it every time, huh? <laughs> I try. <laughs> Go figure. The adventure is getting there for him. The adventure is often getting there. Yes, that yes. is very true. And so you always do uh, plenty of research ahead of time and take the shortest route there. Am I right? Is that right? No. Sometimes <laughs> I do all the research and then still take the wrong way. Okay. <laughs> or maybe not the best way. Are there any uh, summits that you can think of that... Uh, that uh, you wish you had done differently? Uh, Matchbox Hill, what's the name of that one up there that you found a better way up right know. after I did it? Um, Ele Elephant Hill? No, it's uh, up by uh, by the peaks there. And it burnt. So I walked up through the burn on the north side of it. And oh. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, you drove in from the south side, walked up in the trees in the shade. Oh, you're talking about, uh, yeah, that one right north, uh, north of Flagstaff, right? What yeah. is that one called? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. there's Brian. There's Brian. Cool. Uh, hey there, Scout. Welcome to uh, to the show tonight. Uh, Brian, you made it. Yeah, I got held up at the Costco. Oh, the Costco, uh, they uh, they said, uh, stick them up. We, don't, we want all your money, huh? 
pretty pretty much. I went in there looking for uh, for for something simple, and you know, came home with uh, with a five hundred pack of dishwashers. Now that is there. <laughs> okay, join the club, right? <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, we, we're just kind of getting into it now. We're just talking about uh, Chris and how he and his philosophy for uh, summits on the air, and how uh, I was just trying to, I was just trying to lead him into the into telling us about how uh, some of his fiascos and stuff like that. But he's not biting. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't recall any fiascos. Not a one. <laughs> I've done some things that probably weren't the the easiest way to do them, like walking Mormon Mountain from my cabin, which is about a seven mile round trip uh on a hill you can drive to yeah <laughs> right so <laughs> well you know sometimes uh, the the hard way is the most enjoyable way i guess i don't know yeah i wouldn't i think what did i see on a badger or something like that when i was walking up oh well you wouldn't have caught that yeah, yeah. yeah i wouldn't have seen that on the road so yeah yeah it was a really nice hike cool. i would do i would do it do that one again that way yeah especially with that road is horrible yeah cool <laughs> Well, okay. So, uh, do you usually operate QRO, QRP? What What's your usual uh, uh, operation? What do you take? What's your gear? What do you take with you? That type of stuff. Well, for, for a hill that you have to actually walk up, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the KX2 and the wire. That's yeah. pretty fishing pole. That's about it. Cool. Um, Twenty meters, forty meters. Usually, that's all I do. Every once in a while, I'll break out another band. And fail miserably usually. <laughs> <laughs> Those other bands sometimes are hard. Yeah, cool. So it's a KX2, you said, and so I, yep. I and then uh, your your antenna you use is a is what a homebrew dipole. Um, I I have a soda beams. Oh, soda beams. Okay. I have a couple of soda beams dipoles, but um, yeah, the twenty forty link dipole, and I have a homemade one for the work bands, but. I don't use that a whole lot, but it works good though. When I have used it, it's worked well. Yep, yep. Like uh, Christian put in the in the chat room, my case uh, K6 ARK is saying, and actually, it's a he got that from somebody else. But it's it doesn't have to be fun to be fun, and uh, that that's is right. so <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about satellites then, I guess. So, because that's that's what everybody's here for and is a little bit interested in. Um, did you? Do, were you into satellites before you were into soda, or did you kind of get into them? How, how did how did when did each of those start for you? I th I I started trying satellites shortly after I got my ticket, so it was about the same time. Mm -hmm. But um, it took me a little while to get going on satellites, but uh, it was tough. There was I tried it all the hard ways, you know. I tried the tried it with my little. Uh, tape measure antenna and a crappy radio and, and eventually I got got the right stuff and started doing doing more with it. And so was and, that when you started out, were you doing that from your house then? Uh ish. Yeah. I, I walked out in the desert and around my house. I, I very rarely do anything from right from the house, but Okay. My house is surrounded by desert, so I walked over there and I can walk over to DM 33, which is from DM 43. It's like a quarter mile away. So the different grids for satellites are sometimes fun. Yeah. Is there, is there, are there any, um, like what are like some rare grids, I guess that's the people chase the grids instead of chasing like, uh, 
Yeah, we definitely collect grids on satellite is mostly what we collect. Okay. So I've worked a couple now, probably 650, 660, maybe something like that. How many total grids for the United States? <laughs> the, there's there there's 488 in in the continental united states for the grid master award okay have you got that award i do wow you've got so wow. so, so you've watched every grid in the united states then no well How does it work? <laughs> well this is complicated and, and a touchy subject oh okay well, <laughs> whoever let's, set let's, it, let's whoever, it up then whoever set up the fred fish award they kind of gave up when they got to the Canadian border and they said, oh, yeah, that's the, the parallel. That's the border. So they just lopped it off. And there's about nine other grids up there, I think, that, that are actually part of the continental United States. But those aren't part of Fred Fish or the Gridmaster. So I don't have all those yet. There's a couple more up there that I can okay. get from there. But okay. So but you have. They're little slivers. In essence, you have all the others then, huh? I do have the 488 that comprise the award. Yeah. Okay. And most people do that. They don't, don't do that on a mountain, though, right? I didn't do them all on a mountain. You didn't either. Yeah. I got a, I got a few, but, but not all of them. Right. Uh, the, the mountain thing came in when, when I needed to, to get somebody that was further away, and since we live in a valley, that kind of limits your horizon a, a little bit. So you want to be able to work when the satellite's lower and increase your odds of being able to make a QSO. So I started walking up mountains around the house, um, and then I started trying to do something crazy and working a guy in Northern Ireland on AO7. And so I started going to Humboldt for that. Uh, it's nice and bald and has a pretty decent takeoff. It's not great, but it's pretty good. But uh, a lot of trips up there trying to work him. <laughs> we had everything that can go wrong will go wrong. But did you, so you didn't work him then? Oh, I did. You got him. I actually ended up working him first from California. Uh, I drove over, as, there were some other guys out running around. KI7 UNJ was over in, uh, by Pahrump somewhere. He was working grids over there. So I went over to meet up with him. And while I was there, I ran up to uh, Dante Benchmark in Death Valley. And uh, went up on top of that in worked uh, MI6 GTY in uh, Northern Ireland from there. So got him a state that he was not getting from other people. So that was cool. Wow. That's really so cool. Do you, do you row all, a lot as well, Chris, in order to get grids or, or do you primarily use the summit as, as a way to get grids? Well, uh, to get grids, you want to have to stay inside of your VUCC circle. So you can't go too far from home. You have about 200 kilometers uh, for, from all the places you worked. And I've worked a lot of places within 200 kilometers of each other. Um, from South Mountain up to Mormon Lake pretty much is my area where I can work inside my BUCC circle to get the grids. But I have operated from something like 67 grids around the country. Sneaking off to West Virginia, I stopped many times when I was driving back to just to get some, hand out some grids and not give, take them. Nice. All right. Well, so um, at some point you decided to do satellite and soda. 
And I and like I think you mentioned earlier that uh, depends on whether the the Soda Summit is a drive up or or a uh, a hike up. What gear you take? So let's start with the the drive up. What what's what's your gear right now that you use for satellite when you get up on top of a hill? Okay, so I I haven't been doing a whole lot of that uh, for drive ups. I take my ninety seven hundred up there. I, I love that radio. <laughs> it's a fantastic radio for satellites and other stuff too it's, it's really nice radio uh, prior to that i was using an 857 and an 817 so the what, what's so great about that that radio i have i'm not even familiar with it what what why do you like that for satellite work well it's 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 well the first important thing is it's full duplex crossband full duplex so you can hear yourself on the downlink um it, it has a lot of features um for some of the FM birds, you can turn on AFC and it's like having a computer control it for you almost. It's, it's really easy. Okay. Well, so for people <laughs> who don't know a, a lot about uh, satellite then, you, you talked about the uplink and the downlink. Can you explain that a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. Most of the satellites, they're either a VHF up to the satellite and UHF down or vice versa. So it's, a, it's basically a crossband repeater flying through the sky at 17,000 miles an hour. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so you'd have to deal with Doppler, uh, probably 10 or so each way on, on UHF, and it's really not a big deal on uh, VHF, uh, you know, one or two, maybe, maybe okay. three, but plus or minus. But so, if you, so you have to figure out a way to transmit on one band and then receive on the other. Yes, so, yes. So it's either two radios or one that does crossband. How much? Uh, I mean, in that in the SAT community, what what's the? How many people do do you know people that do two different radios? I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of people use two eight seventeens or eight eighteens. Okay, and then how does but, how does that work with the? Uh, do they use two antennas as well? Well, we all use well unless you're using an LDPA or like a, a like an elk you're going to be using two antennas and a lot of us use the, the arrow antennas, you know, which are crossed. So you have VHF going up one side and UHF on the other. Okay. So, uh, you're, if you have like an antenna that's crossed, that's basically one antenna, two antennas that's combined into one. Sure. And then you have to figure out, do they have, there's some sort of device there that with it as well, right? That, that, uh, kind of re that uh, splits it up for you. Well, uh, yeah, you'll need a, a duplex or diplex or whichever one it is. Uh, if if you only have one antenna connection, so the ninety seven hundred has two, so that's not a problem there. So I don't use that on that. And if you're using two radios, obviously you have two connections. So, but if you're using like a D seventy two to talk on FM birds, yeah, you have to have some sort of a, a duplexer. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at because I have a, I have a D seventy two A. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's it's an it's a radio it's a handheld radio that that's a full duplex but uh, the problem is yeah so it's got one antenna port so that means that uh, we have you have to have that duplexer then right yep yep and there's a couple people that make them MFJ's going uh, Comet has one you can get an arrow with one built into the handle but it's like it's they've had a lot of problems with those people that. Are, I would rather use one of the big chunky MFJ or Comets if I, yeah. I had to do that. Okay, and so then, but you you like that seventy the ninety seven hundred because it uh, it 
You don't have to mess with any of that stuff. It sounds like. No, I don't have to mess with that. And I, there's, it's, you know, it's got satellite memories, so you can just press the button and it loads up the frequency for the bird you want. And uh, you can, so on the, the sideband birds, uh, you have a transponder that's somewhere between uh, 30 to a hundred kilohertz wide. So you can move across the passband but if you're doing that with two radios, you have to tune both of them at the same time. But with a, a radio like a, the 9700 or IC910H, you can just lock the VFOs and just spin the dial and it automatically tracks in reverse on the other one. So, okay. So, how do you do that if you have like two H17s that you You turn both dials, both VFOs, you have to track them together. I actually. <laughs> There's, there's some kits uh, you can make your own, but I, I, I made the thing out of an Arduino for my 857 and 817 uh, that did cat to both radios and had a button on it that would lock the raid, them together. So if I tuned the receive radio, the transmit radio would follow along. Oh. But yeah, if you're doing it by hand, you have to tune them both, both dials. So do you do that in if you don't have any computer control, do you do that with memory locations? Because you're you're what you're tuning for the, the Doppler shift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're doing that too. That's the fun thing about satellites. There's a lot of stuff going on. You got Doppler. You got polarity changing. Uh, the satellites moving through the sky. There's a lot of stuff, and then it, the speed, the pace. On, at least on FM birds is, is pretty fast. Yes, yeah. and it sounds to. like they're very, very busy and it sometimes can be very difficult to, to be able to break in. And, and <laughs> it certainly is at first and you get a lot of disjointed cues. Go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, it always seems like there's that one guy too who can't hear the satellite <laughs> and is calling CQ satellite constantly and he has he cannot hear the satellite coming yeah. back to him and he just destroy he just wrecks it for everyone else yeah yeah and there's the hola hola guy that's the guy with the beater there. antenna right it might be yeah <laughs> he's on the wrong downlink frequency yeah there's all sorts of stuff that can go wrong yeah okay well so um we didn't i was just focusing on vhf uhf so you're saying that there's sideband as well uh, that you can do well, the, those are also VHF. Almost everything we have that's flying and working at the moment is uh, two meters and seventy centimeters. So, so there's FM and sideband on on. Uh, there there are FM birds. There's a few of them like AO ninety one, SO fifty, AO twenty seven, uh, PO one hundred one. Those are all FM only birds, and so there's no no passband. Everybody's in the same spot. Okay, and so Perfect. then. Go ahead. Is, Dan. is there any new? Is there new birds that are that are coming online soon? Are there? Is there any scheduled launches that you're aware of for for new birds? Man, I, you know, I don't. I try not to worry about it, Dan, until they're up there and functioning. Because there's always a new bird up there, and and a lot of times they don't work. So wait until they get commissioned, and then I then I worry about trying to use them. It, it takes them generally, what, like about six months to get everything sorted out before it really comes online. Yeah, it very, it, it does vary, uh, but anywhere from a few days to, 
And some of them have other, you know, they have other missions they have to accomplish before they, they'll turn them over to the amateur radio service. So you have to wait for that. Yeah. So let's get over to the chat here real quick before I ask a couple more questions. One of them is that uh, somebody said it uh, sounds like a awful lot of work being really busy to have to dial two uh, VFOs. And yeah, it's too much work. <laughs> it's really hard. Uh, it, it's not so bad if, if you were on a hill, but like if you went up and did soda that way, it wouldn't be that bad because you're just going to be calling CQ. So you're really only going to be, you find yourself and then, then you just have to tune uh, the higher frequency to stay on yourself and everybody else will come to you and call you. So that's not so bad. But if you're trying to chase someone and you don't know exactly where they're at on the pass band, it gets a little tricky moving around with two radios. And that was by that comment was by Robert KE0STT. He also has another comment or question. He says, uh, do you record QSOs to be able to, I, I'm assuming he means audio record your QSOs and put, to log them accurately as a question. And then also the other question is how about CW contacts? Well, I obviously don't have a lot of CW contacts. Um, I did cheat really, really bad recently and, and got several new grids working CW on satellite. But uh, that it doesn't seem actually that doesn't seem so bad. If, if my CW improves, I, I might do a lot more CW on satellites, but there's not a, a whole lot of that going on. There are some people that do it. So it's I'm definitely possible. I remember hearing a, a, a few contacts back and forth on FO29 the couple times I played with it. Yeah, yeah, it happens, and, and there's definitely people there, and it's awesome, really, because, I mean, it just gives you that much more pass band to play with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so and Roger Rugg, who's, who's there, he's just south of us. We know Roger really well. Hey, Roger. Uh, he, uh, he's... The question was the part. Other part of the question was: Do you record your audio? You know, audio. Do you record that's how you log? And and Roger says all passes get recorded unless it's just chasing in a single rover, and you don't care about the other QSOs. <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And, and even then, I usually record those. I just don't listen to them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. But okay. yeah, yeah. So like. Uh, I've used uh, like the Sony PX series. Those are really good for recording QSOs. Uh, I've done it both inline and just ambient. If it's quiet enough out, ambient's usually good enough. You can just lay it on the ground next to you and yeah, record. Yeah. You have to be really careful to make sure you say everyone's call sign correctly. Otherwise yeah. you might log wrong if you do it ambient, but inline, yeah, it works really well. Uh, you bet, Robert. Uh, he, Robert's saying thank you. By the way, Robert and anybody else in the chat room, I think we're going to do something a little different this evening. Once it's time to wrap up and, and uh, transition over to the next live stream, which is Jason's uh, Ham Radio 2.0, uh, the link, by the way, is up in the in the top of the chat for his live stream that, that starts right as ours ends at uh, 5 o'clock our time. But once we, we wrap up the live stream, we're going to stay, or I am anyway, and maybe Chris and the rest of the gang, we're going to try to stay in chat for just a little bit and invite a couple of you guys, whoever wants to really, to come on in and, and ask questions and chat with us a little bit longer, uh, just just in Zoom, not on the, uh, the live stream. So think about if you want to join us or not and, and let us know. Uh, Gary, K7UOU from the Valley, from here in Phoenix, is in the chat as well. So hey, Gary. And thank you for the congratulations, Gary. 
Okay, so we talked a little bit about drive ups, and you use that 9700 and, and uh, the arrow antenna, and it seems pretty simple. You record your your stuff and, and everything's kind of programmed into that 9700 so when so those are drive-up summits what about the others have you done many uh, other summits where you, where you do satellites uh, where you're hiking I used to do a lot more of that um, I've, I've pretty much curtailed that but uh, every once in a while I'll take the whole kid up I just I, it'll be just the d72 so it'll be FM only um, I'm not hauling an 857 and 817 up anything again it's just too much work. It's too much weight. Okay, so what's your when you do a satellite and you're hiking, then what did you say you take again? What's your gear? The D72 and my arrow. D72 and an arrow. So it's, yep. it's kind of the, the, the radio that Brian and I have, that Kenwood. Yeah. It has full duplex, just a handheld. Yeah. And then the arrow antenna. And that's all you need? Uh, yeah, I like to use a headset with that and uh, my little recorder. Oh, look, there's a D72. Dan has one as well. This is all shiny and new looking. What's wrong with that? What's wrong, Dan? <laughs> it, it needs to get out of the office more often. <laughs> so for that D72A, um, I was going to ask, oh, there's a newer version out, but it isn't full duplex. Is that right? The newer... the, the D, yeah, the D74 is not a follow-on to the D72. Yeah, so I guess uh, what? Yesu it's a nice missed, radio. Yesu missed the ball again, dropped the ball on that one again. Kenwood, Kenwood, the, the, Kenwood I mean, needs Kenwood, to come. Yeah. yeah, they need they need to make a new radio. I I love the D seventy two, and I would love yeah. to get some of the D seventy four features on the on a crossband. I, I like my D seventy two as well. I actually looked at the seventy four, and I stayed away from it just because it didn't have the duplex. The fact that it had two twenty on it was nice. The fact that it had the D star on it was nice. But I'm like, eh. I'm like the the full duplex, especially with the APRS, is is way better, and that's the main reason why I have the D72 to begin with was for the APRS. Yeah, yeah. Well, the APRS on the D74 is really nice too, and uh, all mode receive is kind of cool. I had heard too that uh, it might be just rumors. I don't know that they were going to stop building the D74s. Has anybody heard that as well? I've heard that D72, I've heard, but not D74. Oh, okay. And, and as far as I know, that's a rumor. I don't even know that that's true. <laughs> I didn't ever check. I have one. Well, they, they, they kind of uh, marketed the D74 as the new TH6A because they, they discontinued yeah. TH6 right after the D74 came out. Right. And I don't know if you look at the used market at all, but I constantly see D74s up for sale used, um, and they sit there for a while. The 72s seem to they pop up every now and then, but they get they get picked up really fast. Yeah, I, I like the depending on what I'm doing. I actually like the D72 for like sending APRS messages. That's another thing, another mode on satellite uh, packet. So we'll send APRS messages through the satellites and, and make QSOs that way. And the D72 is a little little easier to send messages with. It's a little quicker. Yeah. Now, it's got some something in the chat room we need to address. Uh, 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 sorry, Adam is trying to address that. But uh, uh, Richie's radio room said he didn't know you could do drive up for soda. And uh, so uh, Adam was doing a good job of explaining what that you can and kind of what that means. But uh, uh, Richie's radio room is, is wondering if that's new. Um, and of course, we know it's not. Uh, that's and that it's uh, intentionally left vague so that uh, uh, 
Can we, do you, does one of you want to grab the 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 kind of the, the explanation on that one and and why you can do a drive up and what the reason is behind that? How about you, Brian? Take it away. So I think the the main reason for the for the the drive up is to open it up, the the activity up to people that don't that might not have the physical ability to to summit a mountain on their feet. There used to be the hundred foot rule that was changed, where you had to ascend the last hundred feet using you know using your own power. But now all you really have to do is just get yourself to the top, vehicle, whatever. How you get there is is completely up to you. Once you get there, you can't operate from the vehicle. You need to operate from a, a portable setting using portable power, um, non gas power. If you have a buddy that wants to come up and ride a bike and power a generator, you know, way to go. Uh, solar power, whatever. But the the whole the whole reason was to make sure that the activity was open. At least the activation part was open to uh, anybody of any physical ability to be able to activate and operate. And for the for guys like us, sometimes it's kind of a nice little change. You go up, you set up, you throw a table out, and you kind of operate for a little while. And if you bring, you can bring a bigger batteries. If you want to run QRO, you can, um, or have you know multiple antennas and pieces of equipment like I do, like to do for the VHF contests. So it just gives you some more uh, some more options. Yeah, you just need to be independent of the vehicle for your operation. You know? Right, so nothing attached to the vehicle and. Uh, portable power that's not attached to the vehicle, obviously. Right. And, uh, and then, like Brian said, it really opens it up to a lot of other other people that don't have the ability. And it's a nice it's a nice change of pace. Like Brian said, you know, you can take a big, you know, lead acid battery with you if you want, and and a table and a pop up and just enjoy the entire day on, on a summit somewhere. Yeah. So. Um... The other thing I'd add to that is that, uh, you know, it's the way that soda is set up. It isn't based on how difficult it is. You know, a 10 point peak, maybe a drive up. Well, you might find a one point peak that is uh, harder to ascend than, uh, than uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. Just kidding. But I mean, you know, it's <laughs> some Close. of the, it just, it doesn't, the numbering system and, and uh, how much a point is worth isn't relevant to how hard it is. It's all based on elevation and uh, the surrounding peaks and how, how uh, they compare the, uh, you know, there's, there's a, uh, the whole rule book and everything like that, but yeah, you, uh, you uh, can drive to the top and I don't think there's, it's, it's something that is not new. Uh, you could always do that. So yeah, you bet Richie. Uh, let's see. So let me see. And there's a couple of things uh, in here. Tim Keen. Hey, I know Tim. He's a Tim. He's a goat mountain goat from, uh, from uh, New Mexico. And uh, I'm working on some CW projects with him. Uh, Tim, I'll uh, be reaching out to you here in a couple of days. And Todd's in the chat room. Thank you, chat, uh, Todd, for joining us. And then there was an elk, uh, elk antenna discussion a little bit. Hey, there's Tank Radio as well. Oh. Uh, so let's talk about the elk antenna a little bit and how that's different. It's getting into religion now, Charlie. Uh oh. Well, good. I, I'm all about. I'm all about stirring the pot, man. <laughs> Well, the elk is an LTPA, which is which is nice. So if if you have an elk, there's just one piece of coax coming out, so you can hook that straight up to your little handy talkie, and and that's nice. Um, I have a couple of elks, and I really think my arrow outperforms it. It it I hear much better with with the 
so the arrow. So, so if I understand, I don't use it much. You explain it to me, and we got Adam in the chat too, so that he can uh, explain maybe as well. But so the log periodic elk antenna has a very wide uh, band as, mm. as far as you, that's why you don't have to have uh, multiple, you know, two different antennas. Is that right? It's it's, that's it's, it's very wide. Uh, whereas the uh, the arrow antenna has a very very direct and narrow band, and so uh, that's pretty much the biggest difference. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think there might be a little more gain off of the arrows too, but uh, the, elk, the elk works fine. There's plenty of people using it. You can make lots of cusos with it. Yeah, and it, it's it's a nice little antenna. I like to. I threw away all the plastic, that came, all the PVC that came with it. And, lighten mine up a little bit but uh other than that it, it works pretty well I, I i just much prefer my arrow yeah well that's cool you know uh i that's probably where i'd go to is probably the arrow antenna it just seems like what most people use i i'm, I'm laughing here at liberty cave he says kilimanjaro was a long walk up <laughs> <laughs> no doubt <laughs> and uh he also says that uh, if you don't stir the pot you can't know what there is in the stew yeah <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Uh, Adam says log periodics cover a very wide, broad band. You do have lobes on 70 centimeters with the elk, but it certainly works. Okay. It does. It does at that. Good. There's a great question by QRP Life in the chat. Okay. Uh, he says he's never done any satellite work, and what is the benefit for full duplex? And it, it's absolutely critical to be full duplex, especially on the FM satellites. Um, so that you can hear other people. You've got a lot of people competing for the same resource. And if you can't hear yourself, nobody else is going to hear you for one. And two, you won't know that you're walking on someone else. So you really need to be full duplex on FM for that. And on the, on the transponder birds on sideband, if you can't hear yourself, you don't know where your signal is landing inside the passband. And, and you may be off frequency. And if you're trying to catch somebody, you, you may be far enough off that, that person's not hearing you. So it, it's absolutely critical to, to have full duplex on satellites. Thanks for answering that. That was, that was uh, uh, kind of, we we're at another direction I wanted to go here in just a minute. Liberty Cave says it took five days. It sounds like he actually hiked Mount Kilimanjaro. Is that right, Liberty Cave? Did you, did you actually hike Kilimanjaro? Interesting. And then uh, Tank Radio says he loves his, his uh, Arrow 2 antenna. He just needs uh, to get the right radio. Uh, is, that, uh, is that important? The right radio? There's, there's lots of good radios. Yeah. Doesn't really, it's not as important as the antenna, I'm guessing. Uh, there's, there's, there's plenty of radios out there. There are some wrong ones, just like for everything else. <laughs> have, you, have you used some of the wrong ones? Like a Baofeng, yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you, you, did you try to use a Baofeng uh, to to make a satellite contact? <laughs> I did when I first started out. That's all I had. Well, why? What was wrong with the Baofeng? Why didn't it work? I can't hear crap. Oh, okay. Well, that's where I wanted to go with the next one. Is is hearing and uh, and really more the pace. Uh, can you describe? Because some of none of there's probably a lot of people who have never, including myself, who have actually never made a uh, satellite contact. I've actually heard and saw a satellite uh, contact in action, and it, it did surprise me at uh, the pace. But can you walk us through, uh, maybe even from the start where you 
say to yourself, you know what, self, I want to make a satellite contact. What's the first steps? I, th I imagine it's like finding where the satellite's coming and, and uh, getting the azimuth and the horizon. But then once you actually get in there and you, and you know it's there and you're trying to make that contact, kind of go through the pace and all that. Yeah, well, the pace can, can vary, but you, you have 10 minutes and there's a lot of people that want to make contacts. So generally people go pretty fast and you're just going to exchange call signs and your grid square and 73. That's pretty much it. So it'll go quick and you got to grab somebody's call sign out, whoever you want to talk to, or you got to remember it long enough to find a gap and get in there and call them. And you just, uh, NJ7V, K7TAB, DM43. Yeah. And so how many stations would you say are calling all at the same time? Uh, you know, depends, depends on right? the day depends on the day for sure yeah all at the same time it happens uh, too often but uh, we we get some pretty good pileups going and it on an fm bird you know it's the capture effect so somebody usually wins okay uh so how do you is there more ungentlemanliness? Is there more people who are, who are buttholes? Is there more? <laughs> there's uh, no lids? more than anywhere else. Is, in or is it just radio, pretty much there's, gloves there's, off and go? <laughs> there's plenty of them out there. There's plenty of lids everywhere. Okay, right? so what's the protocol? What's what when? Describe what a person would be who's a lid or inexperienced versus somebody who actually works uh, satellites well. <laughs> so uh, Roger's probably typing right now. Uh, <laughs> our favorite is uh, A calls B calls C. So I call I call you uh, NJ7V K7TAB Delta Mike four three, and Dan he's a lid, so he calls me <laughs> without letting me finish my QSO with you. Oh, so that okay. that happens a lot, and I, I think mostly it's just people not listening. Oh, so there is a there is kind of a uh, kind of a. Uh, understood uh, flow then so you would call well, uh, Dan and then Dan would would uh, would reply to you and then it's Dan's turn then to call the next person is that how it works well no not so much he, no. he gets to finish his QSO with me and and that's, and that's pretty it. much that's that's all he gets and that's that's Dan he's done he's done that's he's got to find another spot to get in <laughs> okay. so so the span though is typically what about roughly 10 minutes worth of operating time before yeah, it, the pass is over? It varies. I mean, uh, you get 15, 15. I, I don't work a lot of high passes where they go straight over the top. I think those might last 16, 18 minutes, depending on the bird. But um, nothing so, ever good happens on those high passes. So is it much easier to get a QSO in there toward, you know, say at like minute eight or something like that? a little bit later in the past because most people have already been on there. Or? So from Arizona, so when the bird is further south, it's a little easier. And like the people up north, they call it polar bear country. They get to talk to each other while the bird's over Canada, the, the North Pole, and it quiets down on those edges. And like if we have a nice low pass on the West Coast, those are usually really quiet. Those are a great place to start. You can pretty much talk to yourself sometimes, and there won't be too many other people there. Huh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, the times that I've listened to, and it's probably why I never really tried to get on a, on a satellite. It was just so fast-paced, and, 
and and it just didn't seem like you get get your call out there quick enough to actually you know communicate with somebody sometime. It, it takes some practice, and and even still, I mean, <laughs> Dan Dan edited out the video <laughs> that you posted that pass. I spent what five ten minutes trying to call Kylie K zero WPA. She was the only one I was trying to get on that pass because uh, uh, her her and her dad are uh, soda people. So I was trying to catch her, and I, I was losing. I lo- I lost a lot on that pass, and yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, that was me that edited it out. But it was you that edited me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. So let's go back to the chat real quick. Richie's radio room. He just uh, donated two dollars, probably for uh, our our conversation there. Richie's radio room. Thank you so much for donating that. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, there's a YouTube channel that or YouTube something QRP Life. Uh, Adam just posted a YouTube channel for what? I don't know. I have to read up here in a little bit. But uh, so, a couple questions. One. I don't know which one you want to answer first. Let's go back to the. Let me just ask this one first, since it didn't get asked, it didn't get answered last time. How do you start as far as what's your what's your first steps to find your the the pass and what do you use as far as your uh, software or whatever to to find out which radio uh, ent- uh, bird you want to work. Right. So uh, I have a lot of different tools for that. There, there's a. Uh, so if I want to talk to somebody specifically, uh, we want to set up a schedule. I'll use satmatch.com. Um, it's great for finding, you can put in different birds and put in your, your grid square and the other guy's grid square and it'll find passes during a time span for you. It's just pretty nice. Uh, when I go oh, out for a pass. A dating site, that's pretty good. It, yeah, it is. It's match.com, but satmatch. <laughs> uh, on my phone, I use, uh, I have an Android phone, so I use ISS detector. When I go out for a pass, and it'll list all the passes as in, that are coming up. And during the pass, I'll watch it, and it'll show a little uh, view of the sky and show the satellite going across. So that that's how I operate from that. And then for uh, what was the other one? Sat go go sat watch for iOS is is really nice. I, I actually use that on my iPad sometimes. There are there are a lot of different ways N two Y O and and uh, I think AMSAT has something on their site that give you past predictions. There, there's a lot of choices and there's a wiki. I can post the wiki in the chat maybe. Sure, or else just send it to me after and I can put it down in the or do both in the chat and then also I'll put it in the uh, in the description there at the bottom. But you're looking for that uh, uh, KR seven RK. He or, sorry K six ARK. Posted the uh, that link. It's a it's about uh, it's a series from Sean Kutzko, uh, KX9X. And oh, it's that's all, good. All about satellite ops, and uh, you you've uh, worked him right. You said just recently, just uh, today. Not since yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He was on a soda summit. Yeah. Okay. And we had a bit. We had a, we had the same argument that we were just talking about in the chat about um, drive ups. He thought he wasn't on a summit legally. Oh, because he was. And he was. Okay. So I worked him and logged it. Good. Good. You should. Um, <laughs> Roger. Yeah. Also what? tell you, uh, help you with knowing where to point the antenna and stuff. Yeah. It, it'll tell you which direction, like really all you need to know is where it comes up, where it's going down and where it's at in the middle. And then you can kind of figure it out from that. But most of them show the whole path on a little 
circle, just a circle diagram the, with the, the elevations marked off in 30 degrees. Oh, Charlie must be on mute. Oh, sorry, uh, I asked director, uh, this is Roger Rugg. ISS Detector is a great Android app, and Hamstats are on an, an additional cost. And uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't. None of the things I said were free. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But they're they're like nine bucks. It's not too bad. If you're serious, it's worth it. Yeah, and then uh, JT was asking if either any of us worked at N3BZ today, and uh, I've I've been busy all day. I didn't even get on the radio at all today. Was he yeah, also? I I didn't realize he was even out there. I haven't been on a radio all day either. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't work him, but I did hear him on uh, on four four nine six talking to uh, somebody about his activations. And apparently, the last twenty just barely got it in before the storms hit. Okay, yeah. So for you guys watching that uh, don't know about Arizona, uh, most of the time this time of year we have monsoons that uh, so thunderstorms that just kind of pop uh, just pop up and. And can be pretty severe, and uh, so you got to be really careful on in the summer months on on summits on uh, on, on peaks. So, uh, okay, uh, Chris, the next question I had was, uh, so I'm a new guy. I've never done summits on the air. Sorry, it's not, I've done that a little bit. I've never done bit. I've never done satellites before. Okay, uh, so and I, I'm interested in doing it. What are the first steps that I should take in order to be have a successful first satellite activation? Do it a lot from not from on a summit first. <laughs> okay. All right. So say I'm at my house, then what do I do? Uh, get your get your pass software, get your radio, okay. listen, go out and listen to some passes. Okay. So get the arrow. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna get the arrow. So I'll get the arrow radio. I have the D seventy two A. Yep. And uh, so then you're saying get on, get the software and kind of look for when the birds are coming. And sure. Get out there and just start, just point where they're coming and just start listening, huh? And just listen. Okay. Yeah, just listen for some passes. Okay. And and then uh, when you're you're ready, you think you got it, uh, do some passes either in the middle of the night or real low west coast passes that are not so hectic okay. and uh, start getting your feet wet that way. And uh, So don't jump right in the middle of a uh, – of a very busy one, huh? No, no. <laughs> and, and don't try to trim down your equipment for a soda summit right out of the gate. Use the whole arrow. Oh, yeah. You're, you're talking about like putting holes in it and stuff like that? Making it lighter? Oh, or cutting off elements, cutting the boom in half. And okay. Using one element. Yeah, get, get used to the pace and the, everything first. I think is, it will make things a lot easier for you. Okay. Can you at least hear sat traffic uh, with just a duck or not really? Yeah, you can hear it. I mean, some of the birds are easier than others, but yeah. I actually bought a high pass from inside Aerothypa Canyon. I worked uh, SO50, I think it is, on a, on a rubber duck, and on a long rubber duck from an Aerothypa Canyon at Horse Camp. I think Charlie knows where that is. I don't know if you are familiar yeah, or not but it's a little wider portion of the canyon it was a couple of years ago yeah i try to make not make things so hard on myself 
<laughs> yeah, Liberty Cape just asked that question just before you guys answered it, so thank you. But uh, the answer is yes, but uh, with a caveat that it's uh, it, it's it makes it it's hard much more di- it's much more difficult to to work with a rubber duck than it is with an arrow. I, I won't even do it, honestly. It's just not even worth it. I'll listen sometimes, but well, Chris says that the arrow makes a backpack version of uh, 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 where the boom breaks down. Yeah, they do. Yep. Yep. And then if you drill a whole bunch of holes in it, it's a lot lighter too. Cool. All right. So yeah, that's me. I'm going to be my next, uh, my next thousand points for summits on the air is going to be 100% satellite contacts. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be awesome. Yeah. It never happened. Will it? (laughs) (laughs) That'll be awesome. There's a bunch of us out there. I mean, uh, uh, there's a bunch of soda people. I was trying to make a list. Uh, KE9AJ N6DNM, uh, the Zinc Brothers, KJ7NDY, KI7QEK, uh, father-daughter team, ND0C, and uh, KE0WPA. And there's some European stations, too. These, these are all satellite uh, soda people. Yep. Yep. Those are all people I know have done sats and soda. Yeah. Sats and soda. Sats and soda. All right. Well, it sounds like then uh, if I want to do a, a satellite uh, contact on a summit, I should uh, first get a few under my belt at home, but uh, you probably use the same gear. Use the uh, D-72A and an aero antenna and then just kind of get practice with that and then eventually yeah. take them up there on the summit, huh? Yeah. And like I, I told you, I don't really do it that often. It It's really hard to plan your activation around a satellite going by. So in, a lot of times it just doesn't line up time-wise. And, but there's been plenty of times when I've been on the summit and looked at my phone and it's like, oh, there's a satellite pass coming up. Yeah, I might as well do it while I'm here. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. All right. Uh, let's see. we got five minutes left. So uh, anything else, guys, that uh, we want to chat about? Did you have anything you wanted to share with the, with the chat or with the people who will be watching as far as uh, what we've been talking about so far, Chris? Nope, I'm good. Okay. I, I was curious about the, given the fast pace of, you know, the voice traffic and everything, what's it really like trying to do CW on a satellite? That sounds really interesting. And I didn't realize that, you know, CW was even a thing on the satellite path. Well, I've only done it and I, I had to get my computer involved, Dan, and it was pretty difficult. <laughs> I had to have a decoder. And, and a program controlling my Doppler for me before I could do it. And, and I did program keys, my keer. So I, really, I was really cheating. But so is it, it's is it pretty popular or, or is it far less popular than just voice traffic? Yeah, and let me ask, uh, let me just say that Dan's question has also been asked by, uh, by Dan yeah. in AI6XG. So he wants to know the same thing as most of the SOTA SAT contacts, oh. FM, SSB, or CW. I think most of them are FM. I'd, I'd say most of the, I mean, because it's people not carrying, well, except for the KJ7NDY, most people don't carry an FT847 to the top of the mountain with them. Okay. So what? Uh, so what's it like then, the SOTA, I mean, the uh, CW then? Obviously, it's, it'd be best if you could head copy, right? Uh, yeah, well, it's always better if you can head copy, right? Right. But so how do you, I mean, you just, I guess what you, how, how can you hold an antenna 
and send Morse code. That's that's the question. <laughs> you got two hands. How many <laughs> do you need? I, I tried. I tried use sending Morse code with one hand, holding it, and then doing it on my last act. Oh, that's right. You're two-handed. You you hold yours in your hand. You, I do. You're in trouble. I'm in trouble. You're Charlie, in trouble. if you if you remember, I was sending from the backside of the key when this arm was broken. Yeah. Oh, that's because true. I, yeah. You know, it it's you know it worked. I worked a couple DX on do, doing that. It was kind of funny to watch. <laughs> so you need a you need a magnet on the bottom of your key and stick it to your radio. Oh, that's going to be too much work. <laughs> I actually have, yeah, my, I already have it, have that. My, no. uh, my, uh, Pico has that. I could, I, I actually set it on my radio sometimes, but not when I'm operating I'm not used to it that way, but yeah. Okay. So hold it and then just kind of, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And hope you keep, keep pointing the right direction while you're watching your fingers. I wonder how it is though. <laughs> I, I wonder with the CW though, if it, if it's comparable to, uh, regular summits on the air activations, trying to get a digital contact because there ain't many people out there trying to get it, you know, on the other end of that, uh, you know, looking for. Uh, I, I don't think there's not nearly as many people doing CW on satellites, but uh, you hear crossband QSOs every once in a while too. So there's a lot of people that can, get, can, can copy and still use the microphone to work the people huh. that are didn't. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Like I said, guys. Uh, first of all, in the link right up here, uh, wherever in the chat, there's a link to the next live stream, which is going to be uh, Jason's live stream, uh, Ham Radio 2.0. As you can go over there from here. The next thing is um, we're going to try something different. We're going to open it up to anybody who wants to join us after the live stream is over. I guess I can pop that information into. Uh, the chat just as we're closing it out and then you can come come on over here to the uh, zoom and chat with us if you want if Dan or, or Brian or uh, Chris for that matter has to drop out that's fine but we'll uh, we'll see maybe we'll stick around here for a minute uh, we're gonna wrap it up then and and uh, so uh, any final thoughts then Chris before we'll go to you and then we'll go to Dan and then Brian uh, just one for Roger and his comment about the 9700 with the your antenna on a tripod just say no to tripods, Roger. Just say no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, how do, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to have to at least give it a try on FM once. So I've never done it yet, but uh, I'm going to have to give it a try. Cool. Field day. Yeah, try it on field day. Yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Any any closing thoughts there, Brian? No, I was I I enjoyed I enjoyed getting the uh, you know getting together yesterday and chatting yesterday and and uh, you know hearing about the, uh, the the satellite exploits and all the uh, all the good stuff. You know, I've, I've kind of dabbled in it a little bit, but not nearly to the level that uh, that that Chris has. I said I've got about I think 156 or so, so not not a ton. All F, few most of them FM, but it's it's a lot of fun if. Uh, Chris is definitely the master. I am just a, a mere novice. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, I'm po I'm posting it several times there in the chat for anybody who wants to join us uh, for the post discussion. And uh, so with that, I'm going to say 73 to everybody. Thank you again for joining us. Hopefully, this has been a uh, fun uh, discussion for you. Uh, so we'll uh, don't forget I have that uh, premiere coming up on uh, Monday night, and then we'll be two weeks out. We'll have another one. I don't know who our guest is, but uh, it'll be fun. So Chris, thank you so much again. Congratulations for uh, getting your mountain goat, 
and uh, we appreciate you being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's fun. Congrats, Chris. Thanks. Dan. Congrats, Chris. Thanks, Brian. Okay, everybody, we'll see you, see you later or over here in Zoom. 73. 73.